the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in God's Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, community of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Okay, now I'm reading from John 11:17 through 44. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Mary had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to this tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha said the sister of the dead man, By this time, there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I just wanted to say something. I know, I, but I wanted to tell you, you know, as a, as a believer, uh, when I was first saved, I, I really appreciated the fact of eternal life. 
you know, that Jesus, but until you have someone that you love, that you put into the hands of Jesus, who is then full of joy and then whole and complete, do you ever appreciate what Jesus did for us? So, wow, right? (laughs) Amen. Thank you, Sandy. Yeah. I love that. That's the way testimony should be, right? Spontaneous and we don't always have to plan everything out. Stuff should happen that's not in the bulletin, right? Amen. Well, we're going about uh, these declarations of Jesus, the I am's in the Gospel of John. There's seven of them. We've talked about uh, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. And this week, uh, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you know anybody that talks like this, that says, I'm the bread of life? Do you know anybody that talks like that? Either Jesus is God, or he is a self-centered, egotistical maniac. I am the bread of life. You know, what? Who, who would ever talk like that unless they were God? Well, when I think of resurrection, I think of what the apostle wrote about in 1 Corinthians 15. I call it the resurrection chapter of the Bible. And he said in that chapter, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, he said there's a bunch of consequences. He said, uh, number one, our preaching is useless. Uh, Faith is empty. The apostles were a bunch of liars. Sin's power is unbroken. People who are already dead with their faith in Christ are damned. And Christians are the most pitiful people in the whole world. But, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 20, He said, but Christ indeed has been raised from the dead. And Calvary, if that's the case, if Jesus is really alive, if that tomb was really empty, then all gospel preaching is valuable and faith is priceless and the apostles spoke the truth and sin is forgiven and the dead in Christ are with him and Christians are the most glorious people in the whole world. Listen, Calvary, the whole Christian faith stands or falls on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Remember the angel said that first resurrection morning, he's not here, he is risen. And that's the central truth around which the Christian faith exists. If you take away the resurrection, you take away all hope for our lives. You may as well just shut the doors of this church because we have nothing to celebrate. We have nothing to declare. And this worship service is just a joke, Uh, worse than the jokes I just told at the beginning of the service. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is huge, Calvary. Do you see how essential and foundational the resurrection of Jesus Christ is? And we look at Jesus' words when he said, I am the resurrection of life. We're looking at them from kind of a historical perspective. Jesus has risen for us. We know about it because it happened in history. It is a fact. So please turn to John chapter 11 if you're not there already. And we're going to look at this wonderful story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. First, let's set the stage, uh, some background, some verses that Sandy did not read were the first six verses of John chapter 11, because I didn't ask her to, but let's read the first three here. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord 
and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And so Jesus gets word that Lazarus, good friend, as well as the brother of Mary and Martha, was sick. And the Bible says that Jesus loved Lazarus. And then in verse 4 of John 11, Jesus said that this sickness would not end in death. And the reason for this, God will be glorified. And then verse 6 says that Jesus stayed there two more days. So basically, by the time Jesus got to Bethany, Lazarus was already dead. And then we have the rest of the story that was our scripture text that Sandy just read. John eleven seventeen to 44. So we know about the resurrection of Jesus from history, do we not? But Mary and Martha did not know about Jesus' resurrection because he hadn't done that yet. And they were looking at their brother Lazarus who had died. I mean, Lazarus was dead. And so all they really knew about was death. And Lazarus was in the tomb. He was in the grave for four days. Look at verse 17. Four days. The funeral had taken place. The visitation was over. They ate their potato salad and those little pieces of bread with the cheese cheese whiz on it and the green olives on it and that jello with cottage cheese in it, right? It was all over. And Lazarus was dead. That's all they knew. Like a letter that came from the Health and Humane Services to a resident in Greenville, South Carolina, it said, your food stamps will be stopped effective May 20th because we received notice that you passed away. May God bless you. You may reapply if your circumstances change. I mean, wouldn't it have been a surprise if his name was Lazarus? I mean, dead four days, back to work on Monday, right? John eleven twenty five 25 and 26, Jesus said, and we say this at every funeral, I do, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then Jesus asked the question, do you believe this? And that's the question I ask you. February 14th, Valentine's Day, 2021. Do you believe this? Jesus is saying, not only do I have the power to raise the dead, and not only do I have the power to raise myself from the dead, but I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Now, this sounds at first kind of contradictory. I mean, because it says that if you believe in him, even if you die, you're going to live. But then he says, if you believe in him, you will never die. And what Jesus is saying is that those who are in him You know, in faith, never die in one sense, and then in another sense, they still die, but they continue to live. Physical death cannot destroy the life that Christ puts into a believer. Even when we experience physical death, we won't die because we have life. We have zoe. That's the word. You know, a lot of people name their kids zoe now, zoe. Uh, The Greek word for life is zoe. It's used 36 times in John's gospel, which is more times than it's used in the other three gospels put together. And uh, we have met this word life in the other I am statements, like Jesus is the bread of life, John chapter 6. He's the light of life, John chapter 8, verse 12. 
Uh, he's the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Uh, I talked about that a few weeks ago, John chapter 10. And then here in John 11, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And then next chapter, or the next verse, the next I am that Hermes is going to talk about next week, uh, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And so to the Christian believer, life is not merely a physical condition or a social experience so much as a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And Paul says that Christ is our life in Colossians 3, 4. And he wrote to the believers at Philippi, for me to live is Christ and to die is Gain, resurrection leads to life, and Jesus is both resurrection and he is zoe, he's life. So a relationship with Jesus is about resurrection. A relationship with Jesus is about life, life now and life beyond the grave. Three truths from this story. Let's start with truth number one. First of all, Jesus is saying, when he says, I'm the resurrection, he's saying that he has the power. Jesus has the power to stop and to change This disintegration and death that we have in our world. I tell you, there's coming a day. There is coming a day in the future when there's going to be no more death, right? No more sorrow. No more tears. No more crying. This world is falling apart, literally. This world is kind of winding down. I mean, have you heard of... uh, the, law, the second law of thermodynamics. I mean, you may have studied it. You may have forgotten it. You may have flunked it. But I'll tell you what, you're a part of it. Because the second law of thermodynamics says that once energy is used, it's almost impossible to regain. That if anything can decay, it will. If anything can disintegrate, it does. If anything can rot or spoil, it will. Ultimately, everything falls apart. And that's what it's saying. No sooner is an object made than it begins to deteriorate. You know, I wore a lot of secondhand clothes growing up. (laughs) A lot of hand-me-down clothes, but I remember once in a while, right, at Christmas and at Easter, my brother and I, we'd get some new clothes, but you know, they didn't stay new very long. I mean, the minute you start wearing new clothes, they start wearing out, and cars are the same way. Cars start nickel and diamond you to death. And all our cars need a bailout, I think. Amen? Somebody told me Ford means what? Fix or repair daily or found on road dead? Or that little Italian car, they're called the Fiat. Uh, you could say, fix it, uh, uh, fix it again, Tony, right? I believe even if you buy a new car, the minute you drive it off the lot, it starts to wear out. I mean, even iron and metal and buildings and plants, all living creatures, they just wear out. I mean, that steel shell of the unsinkable Titanic that lies in the bottom of the ocean, they tell us in a few centuries, it's not going to be there anymore. That big hunk that they brought up a few years back and have displayed all around the country, they have to take care of it in a special way so that it stops that rusting process, that disintegration. I thank God for the tremendous trustees team that we have here at Calvary as they care for this church building that constantly needs attention. I mean, this building, it looks new, but it's already 15 years old. Can you imagine that? I mean, uh, this process of a disintegration, it's, it's just falling apart. It's the way uh, your house is. It's the way things are in life. And you know what? We're disintegrating too. I mean, the minute we're born, we start to die. 
I mean, we need repairs. Many people need new parts every once in a while. I got a new hip a couple years ago. My brother got a couple new knees all at once. My hair, obviously, is falling out. And, you know, they say the older we get, our knees buckle and our belt doesn't, you know. Uh, We sink our teeth into a juicy steak and they just stay there. Uh, Somebody told me 20 years ago uh, that men over 40 get the dresser disease. You know, the chest starts sinking down into the drawers. Or You've heard of cosmetic sales. They're up, Right. More liposuction and facelifts are being done on men. We are deteriorating, guys. I mean, look at a typical church pictorial directory. When they're only a couple years old, it's already out of date. Some have passed away. Some have moved. Many new people are coming. Thank the Lord for that. We're going to have a couple join the church uh, at the end of the service. So that's going to be fun. But when you look at those pictures, even our physical appearance changes in two or three short years. And I was talking with one of you. I said, you know, I've gotten in pretty good shape already this year in just six weeks. Uh, uh, You know, lost some weight, uh, working out, doing a little walking, a little jogging, riding bike, pumping some iron. And uh, I said, "Uh, do I look like I'm 65? He said, no, but you used to. So, okay. I didn't know if that was a compliment or not. But some 1900 years ago, the writer of the book of Hebrews. Now, Uh, The Calvary women are going to start a study uh, on the book of Hebrews called Jesus is Better. February 24th, Wednesday night, or February 26th, Friday mornings, and you're invited to that. But 1,900 years ago, the writer of the book of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, nailed it when he wrote in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. Actually, it's a quote from Psalm 102, and I quote, in the beginning, O Lord, You laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, but you will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. Listen, were it for not for Almighty God's hand upon our universe, you know, holding it together, recreating it with his energy and his life, we would quickly become like a barren desert. Speaking about Jesus, the Apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, in him, all things hold together. I love the one about that little boy that was peeling his skin off, a sunburn, and he said, man, I'm only five years old, I'm coming apart already. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He's saying, I can stop the change and the deterioration and the death of this world. In Jesus, all things hold together. Jesus has the power to stop and to change this disintegration and this death. Like I've said many times before, one of my favorite preachers, E.V. Hill, YouTube him and listen to him. He's awesome. One time he was saying, you know, I preached to the queen, I preached at the White House, but it is an outhouse compared to what God has in store for those who loved him. He said, I haven't seen a beautiful rose. You haven't seen a beautiful lily. We're all under the Adamic curse. But he said, oh, but one day, that great getting up morning, all things will be new. Jesus has the power to stop and to change this disintegration and death. That's truth number one. Truth number two, secondly, Jesus said he has the power. Jesus has the power available, not just in the future, but today. 
See, Mary and Martha misunderstood what he was saying. He said to them, I'm the resurrection and the life. And Martha says, yes, Lord, I believe you are. And Lazarus will rise in the last day, verse 24. But see, she misunderstood what Jesus was saying. He was saying, I can make a change today. And that's what it's all about. That's what believing in Jesus Christ is all about, that God can change us today. I mean, the Bible says if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And you don't have to wait until the judgment or to heaven. And Paul wrote to Ephesians chapter 1 that the same power, think about this, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in us and in those of us who claim his name, Ephesians 3.20, now to him is, who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to what? According to the power, according to his power that works within us. You see, Martha's mind was stuck in a box of 3,000 years worth of death and dying, and she just could not get it out of her head. And Mary, the one who Jesus loved, I mean, remember she had poured that perfume. You talk about an act of love. It's Valentine's Day, right? Poured that perfume on Jesus' feet, wiped his feet with her hair, and even Mary concluded that there was nothing that Jesus could do. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 32. And then Martha said in verse 39, she said, Lord, by this time, there's a bad odor. I mean, he's been in the grave for 48, four days. Another translation says it best. I love the King James here. Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> well, when Lazarus walked out of the grave, or should I say he hopped out, because he was still wrapped up in these grave clothes. But when Lazarus came out of that tomb, Martha's box of death and dying was shattered, and Christ had brought something new. Not just in the end times is his power available to change life, but today, I think God is in the business I mean, of, of transforming lives and marriages and families and churches and businesses and communities and states and nations and, yes, even our world today. The power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the cross, the power of the gospel can change your life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Not I was, not I will be, but I am the resurrection. And Jesus responded to Martha and said, Martha... Didn't I tell you that if you only believed, you would see the glory of God? That's verse 40. Oh, you and I have memorized Martha and Mary's words rather than Jesus' words, haven't we? We've memorized them and we say them often again and again. Lord, Lord, if you, had just, if you would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Too many of us think, Lord, you just came a little too late. I've got my career, right? I've got my heart that's defective. I've got my hope that's abandoned. My marriage has failed. My kids are prodigal. My business is in bankruptcy. My old habits and addictions have sealed me in a tomb. I am wrapped, wrapped up in grave clothes of doubt and unbelief and bitterness and unforgiveness and shame and guilt. And Lord, you're just too late. Like Lazarus, my life stinks. And I always say that kind of stinking thinking can happen to us. You see, Lazarus is dead, but 
God does know. And God does care. And he cares about your life. And he will make a difference today. I am the resurrection. And if there's a delay, it's only because doing so, I think, would provide a greater miracle in your life. God cares about you. He loves you, man. (laughs) He loves you, Calvary. You're his valentine. He loves you with an everlasting love. He knows you by name. Lazarus, come forth. And if you're listening to this this morning, whatever circumstances have entombed you, whatever darkness is smothering you, God knows you by name. And if you're listening this morning, I believe you will hear him call your name. Lazarus, come forth. Mary, come forth. Sally, come forth. David, come forth. Daniel, come forth. Wake up, O sleeper. Arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Wake up, Calvary. Wake up, Fargo. Wake up, Red River Valley, to the presence of God, to the power of God, the purity of God, to the passion of God. The eye of God is on us. He's watching. He knows us. He cares about us. He's here, and he's not late. He's right on time. I mean, what if Jesus was only sad at Lazarus' tomb? What if he only wept tears at Lazarus' tomb? Then God would be like Rabbi Kushner's God in his book, written probably 40 years ago now, called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. And that's a book that says God is saddened by our suffering. And God cares about our suffering, but that's all he can do. May I say to you this morning, truth number three, Jesus Christ has risen from the grave. And he can do more than care. And he can do more than be saddened by your life. He can change your life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. And what did he do? He fed the 5,000. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And what did he do? He laid his hands on the blind man and he could see again. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And what did he do? He raised Lazarus from the dead. The power of Jesus says it can be done. The power of Jesus says with God, all things are possible. With Jesus, there's always hope. With Jesus, there's always possibilities. With Jesus, there's always new beginnings. And so it's time to wake up, O sleeper. It's time to wake up, Calvary. It's time to wake up, Red River Valley. There is, I think, an awakening in the valley and in the nation, I think, that's starting to happen right now. I believe that our miracles of salvation and miracles of repentance and miracles of restoration and miracles of reconciliation and miracles of healing and miracles of revelation and prophecy, miracles of love, the mighty river of God's love, the mighty river of God's spirit is going to flood our hearts and our homes and our church and our city. The lukewarm church is going to repent. And people across the board are going to seek God And love God like they've never sought him or loved him before. Could the third great awakening be happening right now? I'm just asking. Do you believe? He asks Martha. Do you believe? 
he asked Mary. Do you believe, he asks you, he asks me. Jesus has the power available now to change your world. He can put you back together again. You just got to give him all the pieces. Right? Didn't David write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Psalm chapter 51, verse 17, a broken and a contrite heart? Oh God, you will not despise. And so what in your life have you concluded that is beyond the Lord's power? What have you put in the box as hopelessness in your life? What have you put in the box as irreparable? God says in Jeremiah 32, 27, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Paul writes in Ephesians 3, 20, my God is able to do immeasurably more than I could ask or think. God's hands are not tied. God is sufficient. And his sufficiency is our hope. No matter how dark the day God can bring you through, no matter how hopeless the night, God can bring a miracle. Some of us came today feeling that God is just too late. You know, Jesus is not there in time. And you wouldn't even bother with this church stuff if you haven't been here with your family or because it's, you know, your Christian duty or it's Valentine's Day. I mean, we all feel that way sometimes. When we see our failures, when we see our sins, when we see ourselves with great clarity before a holy God, we know that we could never do enough good. We, we know that we can't be good enough to take care of the past, and, and that's okay because, you see, that's what the cross is all about, and that's what Jesus is all about. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He is risen. His blood is enough. He is the author, the finisher of our faith, and that's where we can turn to. And Jesus tells Martha, only believe. Only believe. And so, you see, I think today is a call to faith. It's a summons to believe that Jesus Christ has the power to make the wounded and the weary whole. Psalm 50, verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble, the Lord says, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. In a crowd this size, I can almost guarantee that probably every problem known to man is represented here in this room. I'm certain there are some people here today who are right now maybe in the middle of marriage trouble or separation or even divorce, and I'm certain that some of you have just buried a loved one I know. At least uh, you've had a loved one die in your family, and maybe the grave is still fresh or it's not even there yet, you know, and the grief is still there, though, and there are others having problems with their kids and There are others who would like to get married and maybe there's an ache in their heart and just this loneliness and, you know, it just hasn't happened yet. And I know there are people here who are going through financial problems, maybe because of the COVID or the economics of our country, job loss, or maybe situations will put your house or your home, you know, in jeopardy. I know people facing health problems. I just told you about Bob and Ada and Lonnie. The tests haven't come back yet. And maybe you're just scared to death. And I know people who are questioning, you know, what am I going to do about my career? Or should I go to school? Or where am I supposed to live? Or should I move? Or there are people dealing with stress and guilt and grief and bitterness and unforgiveness. And there are people hiding things that you're just ashamed of. 
I read the story of Ravi Zacharias. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. I have no doubt about it. Secret sins. You're all here today. And so is Jesus. I want you to know that Jesus cares all about that stuff. He really does. But all that stuff is nothing compared to eternity. Like you were saying, Sandy. Jesus is saying, if you just quit going your own way, and you come my way, if you just fall in love with me, if you just seek me with all your heart, if you just seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and my lordship or rulership in your heart, I'll take care of the other stuff. I'll give you purpose. I'll give you power. And ultimately, I'm going to give you a place in heaven. There will always be problems and pressures. There will always be trials and tribulations. It's a promise that we never claim. (laughs) Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have some trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Do you believe? Listen, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. The Gaithers are right. We're going to sing that in a few minutes. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, and life is worth the living just because he lives. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Would you just bow your head with me? And I want to talk to you a little bit before I pray. Maybe is today the day for you? Maybe picture in your mind uh, five years from now, you're at a coffee shop and the person you're with asks you what circumstances and events led you to faith in Christ and maybe you'll say, you know, it was Valentine's Day, February 14th on a Sunday morning worship service at Calvary Church in Fargo, North Dakota, you know, 2021 that I started to get serious with God. And I really didn't change overnight. But as I look back, I started to have a hunger for God and a hunger for his word. And I can see my attitudes and actions have changed in many ways. And I've noticed I have a purpose and a power I've never had before in spite of my circumstances. And I know I have a place in heaven. And I'm forgiven because I believe that Jesus died for me, that he's, he's real to me. He's my best friend. He's my savior. He's my forgiver. He's my leader He's my Lord. He's the lover of my soul, my shepherd, and my king. I mean, wouldn't that be something if you gave your life to Christ today? I mean, for real, serious, maybe you would like to pray in your heart a simple prayer of salvation, repentance, and commitment, something like this. You know, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really sorry. I've been going my own way, doing my own thing. Jesus, I know you have not been first in my life, and I've broken your perfect law. I've missed the mark. I'm dead. (laughs) I'm dead, just like Lazarus. I'm dead in trespasses and sins. I'm locked in a tomb. I'm wrapped in grave clothes of unbelief and doubt. But Jesus, I want to believe, and I hear you calling my name today. You're calling me out. I can hear it in my spirit. And Jesus, I understand that you love me, that I'm your valentine. 
that you died on the cross for me, that you rose from the dead and you are alive. You're standing at my heart's door seeking an entrance right now and you want to live in my heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that you are the sinless son of God, so please come into my life. Please forgive me. Please lead me. Please heal me. Please change me. Thank you for loving me before I love you back. I want you not only to be resident in my life, I want you to be the president, Lord. I'm calling on your name today. I'm crying out to you, God. You said, whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, and I'm calling. And I just say, I believe in you, Jesus. Amen and amen.